Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Tantric Lounge, where we talk sex, science, and spirituality. And today we have another fascinating program for you. Today we are talking about unleashing the primitive. Yes, we're going to get primal today, listeners. And I am, as ever, accompanied here by my wonderful co-host, Xavier Watercane. Hello. So, what's happening on Planet Jacqueline? <laughs> yes, obviously, you're already beginning, beginning to get in touch with me. This is a very important program today because <laughs> we do live in a <laughs> society. <laughs> oh, you're letting out the inner bitch, huh? Okay. <laughs> letting out the This inner show p- was your idea. Yes, Dave, well, now. yeah, but I Be exactly. careful what you wish for. Be careful what you have unleashed. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, we're in the – so, we're in the pro- – so, the – the premise of this program is that we are overly civilized. We tend to be, we are, even though human beings are born wild, mm. we yeah. spend a lot of our lives Mama. being tamed. Ah. We get tamed by society. We get tamed and controlled by schools and yes. by our elders and often over-tamed. Shaped and put into little boxes. Exactly. And none more tamed a box there be but the sexual one. Yes, often. In fact, a lot of Jacqueline's work Mm. does require you to undo a lot of the damage that's caused by society and growing up Mm. and being sexually inhibited. Well, yes, because we lack information. The information we have is incorrect or misleading. We're operating in the dark. We're operating in dark little boxes sexually. And often we're taught not to tune into our own inner selves and the Mm. wisdom of our bodies Mm. that has evolved for generations and generations and generations. Such a head-oriented society. Yes, when sex is so much about the body. Yes, and the head can just be a useful adjunct to help out with a bit of creativity and so forth. Mm. So today's program is about releasing or at least cultivating the parts of those primitive elements inside you in order to have really powerful sex. This isn't Mm. about nicey-nicey sex. This is about wild sex. This is about unleashing the animal inside you. The savage beast. The savage beast. Mm. And, of course, as usual, our program is brought to you by Lelo, designers of rather... (laughs) Beautiful, civilized-looking objects that nevertheless could be used yes, in various wild purposes, wild wicked ways. Mm. Okay, so let's www. Okay, so Lalo. let's wildwickedways.lelo. <laughs> Lelo.com, L-E-L-O dot com. We'll talk about our product du jour later in the program. So, people often come to you mm. in the clinical context, mm. and often, no mm. matter what they say, the pro- problem is the underlying problem is really that they are overly civilised, they are overly restrained, they are overly inhibited. There's a lack of being able to unleash their inner selves. So let's Mm. talk about the common problems that people come to you Mm. and how you help them unleash themselves because basically nobody unleashes you without your consent. Well, no, of course, and it all comes from within. Mm. Um, So there are various aspects. One is just the aspect of knowledge, knowing that this is an element of sexuality and that it's an element of yourself probably, right? I'm sure there are some people down one end of the spectrum that just don't have this in them at all, right? But most people, you'd have some some degree of it. So just letting people know that that's a fact, 
right? Then there's the element of permission giving. An incredibly important point. A hugely important because, point. Because there may be a, well be a spectrum of very, 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 cons- or just people who just don't have wild elements inside them to people mm. who are all wild. Mm-hmm. Yes. But at the end spectrums. of the day, the, the, the big hump in the middle of this bell curve is mm. going to be a whole bunch of people who have wildness inside them, mm. but they haven't given them, they don't even acknowledge it exists, or if they do, they're constrained by giving themselves permission to unleash their wildness. Yes. Yes. How do you acquire the permission? Well, I tell people that it's okay and I get them if they're in a couple to start talking about some of these things. You know, sometimes it can be hard for one person to say, I want you to ravish me. I yearn for you to ravish me. I want, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah, so I want you and to fuck me like an animal. Mm. I want to be able to let go. But there's too much ten- tentativeness. Um, Timidity. Um, and timidity, yeah. Like on the guys' side, quite often the guys, if they have been brought up by fathers who were very aggressive mm. or do- overly domineering mm. and so forth, then they fear that side of themselves and won't let that be expressed because they're worried that that's what's, some, what's going to come out is the horribleness that their father showed when he unleashed a a less civilised aspect of himself. Nature read in tooth and claw. Mm. So you need to let these guys know that they are not their father and that what they're expressing doesn't have to come out in a negative way. Yes, because a lot of the time when people think about unleashing the primal, Mm. they're thinking that it's automatically going to turn into violence. Yes. Or aggression. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. No. Necessarily, no. some of it might turn into aggression, and it's some of it might turn into violence. But mm. in the right context, aggression mm. and violence might well be a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. It can be very safe, very stimulating. Mm. The ravishment mm. might well be one of the most exciting sexual encounters that you can possibly create for yourself or co-create with a partner. Mm. Yes, but it isn't automatically that because a lot of what we're talking about is also surrender. That's a big part of this topic as well. Yes. And surrendering, whether you're the ravisher or the ravishee, you're both surrendering. Given that surrendering is a mo- most important part of this process, also requires mm. permission to surrender. Permission. Giving yourself and safety. And safety. Yeah. Knowing that, that you can do it without being affected. Now, when we talk about safety here, often we think about a physical safety, right, that the person's not going to hurt us. But it can also be like an emotional safety. And that's one thing that I've noticed a lot of in the work that I do with people, particularly clients, private clients, is that they don't feel that they can do this with their partner, which may seem paradoxical. Oh, yes. There's the classic scenario that we see so often in mm. literature and and just popular culture about the fat, the, the married couple mm. that seek sexual partners outside the marriage or even go to prostitutes mm. in order for them to experience sexual sexualities that they can't admit to to their partners. Absolutely. And I see it all the time. There's an, I once read the story about a male prostitute who mm. um, was talking about his, his life uh, as a gigolo. Mm. And male escort. The male is a common escort. Oh, I see. I'm sorry for not being PC about this, but, you know, <laughs> a whore is a whore. Um, 
a woman having outrageously raunchy experiences. So what happened is that exactly. Sorry. So what happens is mm. the uh, the there was a married couple. The woman was paying the mm-hmm. the male escort mm. to do things to her that she could never. I mean, one of the things she wanted was a what did they call it be a pearl necklace. Oh yes. He wanted she mm-hmm. wanted him to come all over her neck because mm-hmm. she thought that was incredibly in have her breasts covered in freshly ejaculated semen because Mm -hmm. it really worked for her. Mm. And the the escort is saying, um, why are you paying, you're an attractive woman, why are you paying me to do this for you? Why don't you just ask your husband Mm. to do this? Mm. And she said, I couldn't possibly Asked my husband mm. to do this. Yes. And then he said something I'll always remember. He said, do you realise that he's probably paying <laughs> a female escort to do, the same to do thing. this to her? Yeah. Yeah. So you the- want to do wild, raunchy, outrageous things because you just imagine that they feel good and you're turned on by them mm. and all of a sudden... The very first clients I ever had of a sexual nature, I think I may have shared this on the program before, was a couple in their late 30s, maybe early 40s. I think early 40s, been together for about 20 years since they were young, um, both from fairly conservative backgrounds, not outrageously though, a couple of kids. And he presents to me saying, you know, my wife is very timid, you know, she's from a good Catholic Italian background, she's not very sexually adventurous, I don't want to impose on her, so I need to go off and have affairs, right? I'm like, okay, interesting. Wifey comes in and she says to me, well, we got married very young and he's very conservative and, you know, he doesn't like to explore sexually, so I don't want to impose on him, so I have to go off and have affairs. (laughs) This is my very, very first sexual client. Nothing like diving in at the deep end. Yeah, yeah. And? It, yeah. So it can be really hard for people to actually be their true selves with their partner because they are too attached. To? Their partner and their partner's opinions and so forth. Or what they project that their partner's or partner's opinions might be. Yes. They've never actually asked. They just assume. Yes. And the thing is, is that often in a long-term relationship, people actually get become more and more limited sexually because they're more and more concerned about how their partner might respond. And they're too fearful to suggest something for fear of how their partner might respond. And if you're fearful of, of, of your partner's response, you are going to do the opposite to expanding and exploring, you are going to be continuously limiting. And fear really has no place in sex, well, or at least tantric sex. Well, when it's even before that, it's just about the expressing what you might want to. You know, and how many couples don't even talk about sex and what they might like, let alone I'd like a pearl necklace so I want you to unleash yourself on me. All right, so let's talk about more at length about this unleashing process and how people can begin to untie the many knots in which they have enknotted themselves. Mm. Well, look, there's two ways of doing it. One is if you're more of a talky head type person, you can go and see someone like me or just do it with your partner and start just exploring some of the things that you might like to try and talking about why you feel inhibited. In fact, even before then, you have to acknowledge it within yourself and just play around in your Mm -hmm. imagination for a while. Mm. Play out a little... some people won't even go places in their own heads. Yeah. Which I find incredible mm. because as a writer, mm. 
I have to give myself permission to go to all sorts of weird and wonderful places in my head. Mm. But I have to go there first. Well, yes, and because we've got this dichotomy in our society about, you know, good versus bad and right versus wrong and moral and immoral and all of this, that they're, they're sort of like two boxes that go on either side rather than seeing it as a, as a spectrum and a continuum that if it's not sort of pure and good, then people think, oh, well, it must be really bad. And to go to the, the dark places of the soul and the dark places of the self, a lot of people go, no, I'm not going to go there because that's bad. It's not bad. It's just dark. It's like saying that your shadow is bad because it's a shadow as opposed to you. It's not. It's just that's what it is. There's nothing bad about the dark side. Mm. It's not actually evil. We've just been cultivated in our society to think that there is, you know, God versus the devil. There's good versus, you know, Or the spiritual versus, versus the physical, the civilized versus the yes. primal, which yes. is what we're talking about, the yeah. primal. And all of those things get lumped into the dark side and therefore the bad side and to go there is, 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 is dangerous and scary and wrong and you'll end up in hell rather than in heaven. From a pro- from an even from a totally energetic point of view, when mm. we're looking at the primal, unleashing the animal within, mm. people sometimes think that they can't go there or they don't have the energy to go there. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee everyone listening to this mm-hmm. that the primal has an infinite amount of energy. Oh gosh, yes. There seems to be no end mm. to the energy that you can cathect, that mm-hmm. wonderful word again, that you yes. can plug into yes. once you unleash the primal. Mm. The promise of exploring the primal mm. is the promise of unleashing energies in your sex life that you have never unleashed before mm. if you've not gone there. And it just expands your experience of life so much more rather than it just, you know. So, so a lot of people come to me and they're kind of just kind of puzzled about this sex thing because it just sort of seems to be so... Limited, and everyone kind of goes on and on about it. And then they talk to me about the kind of sex they've had. I'm like, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Who wouldn't? That's a bit kind of like It's nothing. a bit like going through life with bread and butter sandwiches and wondering what the all the fuss is about food. Yeah. Yep. All you've ever eaten are bread and butter sandwiches. Mm. I remember when I was young and I... Um, I hadn't, I tried some wine once. My family weren't big wine drinkers, so I hadn't really tasted it very much. And then as a kind of young teen, I was drinking a bit of wine and stuff because that's what we did. And it was disgusting. It was so revolting. I hated it. And then, um, and then I got a job working as a waitress in a really top class restaurant. And they used to have degustation days with a different wine with each course, right? And at the end of the day, all the staff would drink the leftover wine because all these different bottles had been opened. And, oh, my God. It was a completely different experience. It was was sublime. I'm like, oh, my God. This experience of drinking really top quality wines is so, so different to these you know, casks and flagons cheap stuff. And, and sugary alcoholic drinks. Oh, it was drinks. just, Yeah. It was a completely different sensual experience. Mm. Mm. So we're looking also at the primal as being thing. If you have this, if you have a preconception of the primal as being just cheap, violent and cheap, 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 cheap nasty, cheap wine. nasty, <laughs> cheap nasty, quick, mm. quick screw sex, which mm. has its place, but it's like far, it's a bit like fast food. Whereas we're, what we're talking about when we're talking about the primal, we're talking about unleashing the deep animal forces within you. Mm that can be as rich and as subtle as the finest of wines. Oh, definitely. Definitely rich because there's so much breadth and, and yeah, like the stuff that can, like, 
comes up wells out from the depth. And I'm sure that there are going to be people listening who are going to be thinking, that I just don't see that in me and I don't see that in me. Mm. And what we're saying is that's part of the problem, mm. that you're not seeing that within yourself. Mm. Mm. So you're going to have to open that door a bit that may have been closed for so long that you don't even realise that it's there. Yes. But you do a little bit of interior exploration and all of a sudden you discover, wait a minute, what's that about me? Oh, gee, I didn't know I'd get into that. Mm. And not be scared by that. Yes. It's not scary. It can be weird initially. Like, oh, what's this? Weird does not mean scary. I'm feeling like this snake energy and I want to hiss. Exactly. um, But just go with it. Just go with it. You have to trust that it's actually going to be okay. You are safe. If you really want to, you can light white candles and put them all around the bedroom. You know, there can other little things you can do if you're worried about negative energies. But, you know, negative energies can't get in unless you invite them in. And you're more likely to invite them in if you think that going to the bad side is dark. You're evil, I should say, not dark. If you go to the dark side and think it's evil, it's not. We will let people really think about this. Mm while we go on a break. Just take this time now, everybody listening, mm. to really just think about... Feel about. Feel <laughs> yeah, yeah feel, feel more than think about yeah. where you might be, where your potential might lie, where your animal potential might lie. Mm. We'll get what's more, the primal inside what's you? What's the primal inside you? Think about all the things that if you strip away civilization and society and culture, what's left over? Mm. Just savour that for a minute while we go on our break. Here we are back at the Tantric Lounge and our subject of the week is unleashing the primal. <laughs> so how do we let how do we start getting in touch with our inner growler? What you want to you want to talk chakras? Yeah, I thought it might be useful talking chakras here. Um <clears throat> Because what we're doing when we allow this to happen is we're really opening up the whole of ourselves. So we're not just cutting ourselves off at the heads and just doing what our heads is permitting ourselves to be acceptable. That's the nicey-nicey. The nicey-nicey end. Or, or even what some people do where they actually sort of just kind of turn off their heads for a bit and it's sort of a little bit like, well, look, I, I'm just doing this and I'm sort of, but I'm not really connected to my genitals mm-hmm. or the genital, the base chakras down there. So... You know, a lot of the work that we've done in this program has been about connecting all of your chakras and allowing the energy to flow right through your body. So what we're doing here is actually opening up the throat chakra and allowing sound to emerge. And the more you allow yourself to open up at the chakra here, and you'll find that you're starting to draw up energies from right down the base of your torso, right down in the in the base chakras and, and it wells up and So you're suggesting that the listeners get in touch with their base chakra at the base of their spine just mm-hmm. to just to be aware of the sensations there mm. and imagining and opening up mm. a channel from the very depths of the ground and drawing energy from the earth, mm. getting it up the spine as a power to, but then finally instead of getting it up to the third mm-hmm. eye chakra and the mm. crown chakra mm. just to let all of that emerge from the throat. Yes. So chakra number five for those of you who... Yes, this is big. And this, this fifth chakra, chakra the, the throat chakra, is one that's closed down so much in modern people. Yes, people don't voice themselves. No. They don't voice their truth. Their truth, yes. So we're talking about voicing a primal truth. Yes, honouring the truth. Whatever your truth is, your reality. And, that, and when we're honouring the primal, we're honouring... Un- we're often honouring a wordless truth, which is why we might end up with 
growling or with, mm. or in my case, Ooh, um, I can't do that. Yes, I can purr. <laughs> you can purr. I, can I can't purr. even roll my eyes. Which, de- which again demonstrates. Now, a oh. purring you wouldn't think of necessarily as primal because, again, people have this idea that primal is going to be violent. Or, mm, mm. But primal can be cosmic and it mm. can be very just sensual. It can be as simple as. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, really, when a woman is really letting herself go, she will feel the purr of the cat. And if a woman has never felt the cat, that whole languid just kind of going with it and potentially purring if one is capable of rolling one's R's, which this one isn't. So you don't actually even need to make the sound. Yes, you have to have a lot of practice to roll your tongue around your R's. Yes. So, yes, you might be sort of actually quite still. Like it doesn't have to be noisy. Mm. But it certainly can be. And you're more likely to get to the, a real stillness if you can unleash something bigger and wilder. I mean, mm. I know my own experience that there's often like wildness to be get, got through before sort of the still bliss space appears. Yeah. So, you know, there's no right or wrong here. And it's sort of not, oh, well, we're going to have a wild session today and then tomorrow we'll have a, you know, cosmic session. It doesn't work like that. It's just whatever whatever emerges, and being okay with allowing whatever emerges to emerge. Vital to all of this, of course, is this idea of not holding back. Mm. Because if you think about what civilization does, mm. for very good reasons, oh, yes. if we live in large groups and we mm. need to have some level of respect mm. and barriers and shutting mm. down, but we also need to have spaces in which those barriers, we can pull down those barriers and we, we can do. open things up. Mm. And, you know... Just on that point, like too many people do that by taking drugs or alcohol. Oh. Yeah? yeah like because it's kind of like we need to have the space where we can let go. Or I am so repressed mm. that I actually need a chemical to give me, to shut down this inner, vo- this inner nagging mm. voice in the time that's, co- that's inhibiting all the time. I actually find that incredibly sad. Mm, it is very sad. To me, it is the saddest part of general mm. culture that I can imagine, that people need drugs, alcohol, chemistry, mm. because they're so inhibited that they can't the give only them. Way they it's can the do only it. way that they can get there. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, while there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a little bit of something, if that's what you feel like, if you're dependent on it to be able to let go, that's what's such a shame. Mm. You know, and I just think it's such a shame that we have within us this ability to have such extraordinary, you know, enjoyable experiences for free ecstatic for free and safe and safely because it doesn't matter how wild you get you're actually not going to you know turn psychotic or something because you like you can with with drugs or destroy your heart or you know like (laughs) all the terrible things that can happen for me overindulging yeah i always i always think i always think the chemistry and the brain is like trying to tune a radio with a sledgehammer Mm. it just it just doesn't work Mm. nevertheless anyway we're not i'm not going to get into a really judge mental space man about this um i want to get good it's a radio program we can do whatever we like nevertheless (laughs) nevertheless Mm. what what can people do to, to do that? What can people, how can people get about that? We'll look at more, more of that in the practical side. I think we'll the, do that in the third in the, section. In the, in yeah. The, we've got some questions. Have we? Good. Yes, we do. Good, good, good. 
Sammy, I unleashed this once with a partner and he reacted so badly that I'm not going game to go there again. Advice. Mm. Yes. That's that's sad. It's a shame. But this is also why we need to be very unattached to um, our expectations sexually, right? Because if if particularly with a new partner or even a partner you've been with for a long time, if they react negatively to something, then you need to be okay with that. And you also need to do the preparatory work. Mm. A lot of this, if you're going to unleash the inner animal, mm. Hello, you've got to have the right space for that. You, you can't just automatically, spontaneously. But I think go what, what Sammy's saying here is that it did happen spontaneously. Oh, she I was see. probably with someone, she was having this great experience and she started just... roaring or something happened and it freaked a partner out. Okay. I would say. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I remember when my marriage ended and I went through my research phase where I slept with lots of different people. And quite commonly the guys would say to me, whoa, this is different, or whoa, you really like sex. Um, And because they weren't actually used to being with someone who was able to completely let go, Mm. which doesn't mean that I necessarily roared or carried on like that, but there was a qualitative difference to the experience, right? And for people who are used to a particular way of operating, and these days a lot of people when they get together, they're, you know, it's just this whole performance thing. I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to give you the best blowjob you've ever had, you know, and oh, wow, you know, aren't I just so amazing and out there. Look, you might appear to be doing the same kind of things, (laughs) but the quality of the experience is completely different. And since so much of Tantra is about energetics, energy, Mm. you you can't get fixated on the actions. Mm. It's about feelings. Yes. And you have to be okay with honouring what's right for yourself. And if you're with a partner who doesn't respond in a positive way, well, that's just the way it is. You don't have to turn it into something bigger than it is. Any more than if you wanted to try cooking a new dish and your partner said, you know what? Didn't like it. There is nothing worse than being a guest at, at a dinner party or a lunch mm. and you not liking a particular food and mm-hmm. then the cook taking that personally. Yeah, and it's exactly it's like, like that. The the idea of the idea of sex, like the idea of food, mm. you're offering something. Mm. You're saying you're proposing something. Here's something I worked on. Mm. If I'm not attached to whether you love me or not. Mm as a result of what I'm offering to you or whether you think if my ego is involved, my ego, I'm a great cook. Mm. How can you not like this? Mm. Well, tough. Some Mm. people just won't like it. Yeah, or if your ego is so weak that you've got such low confidence that you need to have that validation. Yeah, then it's like, yeah, And it's actually really bad for the person who's being offered it as well because then they feel obliged to like something. Mm. And how can there be freedom and spontaneity in that? In, in the sharing of food is in the sharing of sex. You mm. just, it just can't happen. Mm. You've got to be free in a situation to say, you know what, mm. this doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. but thanks for making the effort, but it just mm. doesn't work for me. Mm. This really works. Yeah. Or if your partner's kind of going a place and you're sort of like, well, this is a bit different. I haven't experienced this before. I need time to absorb this. I need time to process this. Yeah, like it might be that she did freak him out. She might have. He might have only ever been with kind of quite tame little prissy ones before or people who kind of did the the standard you know i'm going to do what i've seen on porn and you know 
give you a blow, you go down on me, I go down on you, we jump on top of each other for a while and then we pretend we're having amazing orgasms. Mm. I don't want to to seem as if I'm prejudging, but for example, Gillian here says, Mm. somehow this seems unladylike. (laughs) Gillian? It is. Gillian, yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is this is the whole point of this is that it's unladylike and it's ungentlemanly. Yes. The primal is not... It is is not civilized. The primal is not about mm. refined aesthetics, mm. which we talk about at length in other programs. But yes. this one's about mm. being raw. Yes, yes, it is unladylike. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that in the most loving way, That's, Gillian. I absolutely yeah, do. But absolutely, deal with it. And interestingly, that you it, might like it. <laughs> well, I actually believe that it will make any lady more whole within herself if she can actually accept and express this side of herself rather than denying it because she's not actually being a true lady, a true empowered woman, which is how I see a lady, is an empowered woman, if she's denying part of herself. Philip says, thanks for sharing, Philip, because he's going to go into a personal space here, which is why I don't think that Philip is his real name, but then nobody's ever required to give us their real names when they do the questions anyway. But now I'm going to go to the question. Yes. Philip, I had an affair with a woman who let her wild self out sexually. It was powerful lovemaking. I chose to go back to my wife and family. I feel it was the right thing to do, but my wife is very reserved sexually mm. to the point that we rarely have sex anymore, more from my side than hers because it's just not the same. So I wish I could unleash those primal passions in my wife, but I fear it's just not in her. Mm. Any advice for Philip? Yes. Well, really, Philip and his wife probably need a number of, you know, sex coaching type sessions with me. But essentially, you need to respect where your partner is, right? He's had an experience of something amazing, which he really liked, right? And his current partner, his wife, doesn't know that. She might not even though that such a thing exists, right? Certainly not that the affair existed. Well, no, but just that one can be wild and unleashed to this extent. And there may be a lot of things getting in the way that makes her feel uncomfortable. So the more he can build up a sense of comfort with her and so that they can gradually become much better at talking about sex and engaging sexually at a, at a level that works for her and slowly growing from there, rather than I could just kind of get a sense of a bit of petulance there, like, oh, well, if you don't want to play my way, then I just don't want to play at all. Well, that could be part of it, but, mm. it, but, but it's still a fact that he mm. wants something that he doesn't think that his wife is going to provide. Yes. What is... Philip to do. He needs to start gently opening his wife up sexually, starting to talk How's about he gonna some do things. That? Talking. Well, he can talk about some stuff. And, but sometimes, you know, going to a professional like myself, if one party is just doesn't even like talking about it, can help them learn to talk about it. There is another possibility that is open to Philip. Mm-hmm. I don't, how, how do you feel about this? Mm. Where he just at least starts in his imagination. Mm exploring that with his wife, that while he's actually doing some gentle, nicey-nicey vanilla sex with her, in his own head, Mm. something else Mm. is going on entirely. Mm. Or he could even be telling her a story while he's doing it. Mm. That can be very erotic for some people. They might be having just pretty straight sex, but one or the other is telling a story as they have it. 
in the third person. Well, here we are, you know, now we're in, and here, and, on a uh, desert island the, and we're the, the only ones here. And they're just going bonky, bonky, bonky. But bonky, bonky while I, he whispers into her. Yes, in, into and I'm going to take isn't. you and ravish you. And Even well, though he well, isn't doing anything, anything overtly ravishing, he yeah. just says, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take you, my darling. I'm going to whatever. Yes, yes. And be willing to get her feedback. Mm. Yeah. Because sometimes people have a very limited idea about how they can be like this and it might not be, you know, just it's more the more kind of subtle edges around it. Like it might be that he's, when he talks about it, there's a little bit of an edge that maybe he's a little bit too sleazy for her. Mm. You know, maybe he's been watching a bit of porn and he thinks that he's got to, you know, like do that kind of more kind of sleazy, dirty talk. Which is why it's probably... Which isn't working for her. Which is why erotica is probably a good place for him to go because yeah. if he can get some quality erotica in... Yes. And he can just see what it looks like. Mm. And that's why I like to focus more on this sensuality side of things rather than the sleazy side of things because I actually think there's more response and more depth to it. But often people need to get to that mm. sensual side mm. after they've given themselves permission to unleash something a bit with a bit more energy behind it. Well, you know, it's who knows? Who knows? Yeah, really. yeah. Um, Teresa says, "I confess, I have had a couple of infidelities during my fifteen-year marriage. I love my husband, but the <laughs> sex is tame." When I have encountered another man on a work trip, always someone unknown. The sex is primal. I let myself go. Mm. I don't know if I can't or perhaps that I won't with my husband. It's just something that never has emerged with him. He's a great father and partner, though. Mm. And this is, again, where mm. the the civilised father-partner mm. is not necessarily the same as yeah. the jungle yes. thing. Yes, the wild lover. The wild lover mm. thing. Mm. Um, I think also part of the anonymity Helps oh, a lot. Absolutely, it's like people are different on holidays. Yeah, it, there's a, there's a level of emotional safety there. Paradoxically, with someone that you don't know, because they can't hurt you as much. They can't get upset, or they and, can't make you feel so bad. And often you don't have to face them in the morning. Yeah, and I mean that in a metaphoric sense, because if you have long term relationships with mm. people like coworkers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. you need to have an ongoing relationship. Whereas the possibility of something that is fleeting mm. and hugely romantic mm. on a holiday, for example, or on a mm. business trip, <laughs> whatever it is, mm. gives people mm. a space of freedom to explore. It says, you know what? At the end of this, I'm not going to have to apologize or justify this to anybody. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't matter how this other person reacts or what they think of me because I'm not going to see them again. Yes. When it's so much better if you mm. could cultivate that in your own life. Yes. And... To some extent, you need to be able to create that space. That's why I talk so much about, you know, what what's your bedroom like? Because it's got to be something different. It's a little bit more sacred. It's a space where the two of you can come together as lovers and express whatever that is, right? Which means you've got to have a lock on the door so the kids can't walk in on you, hmm. for example. Which is why jungles and desert islands are so convenient because you're less likely <laughs> to be interrupted. Yes. And have some time away where you can, you know, connect as lovers and do whatever it takes. You can yell and roar and scream and stuff because sometimes just the way that we live these days precludes us from really being able to fully unleash the primal sexually because we're worried about the noise, about the neighbours and so forth. Yeah. We'll, we'll let our listeners ruminate over that while we go to a break. Okie dokie. Ah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Not a very good warrior, am I? Not turned on enough. 
Hello, listeners. Welcome back to part three of today's show on unleashing the primitive, the wild, the savage, the ravishing side of ourselves sexually. Let's go to another couple of questions that we didn't have time for before the break. Yes, we do. Um, Philomena says, Mm. this all sounds rather porn star to me. How is this empowering? Ah, the main difference, Philomena, is that this is real and it's not an act. A lot of what you see on porn is actually based on what's possible. And when you see people going wild and having amazing experiences and stuff, yes, that is based on on what is quite real. The difference is, is that they are acting, right? And to be able to have these kind of experiences without acting, you have to let yourself go and unleash this really primal part of yourselves. When you can do that so that this expression becomes real to who you are, then there's nothing porn star like it at all because you're being who you really are. And that is empowerment. Mm. Patricia says, I felt what you say. That's an interesting choice of verb, Patricia. I felt what you say, but I'm too scared to go there. It feels a bit like something alien is taking over me. So I resist (laughs) going there. How can I be sure that it will be okay? Mm. It's a very good question, isn't it? And I think it's an interesting observation, like something alien. Alien. So she's almost implying that she's alienated from that part of herself. Yes. Yes, it feels so unfamiliar. She's been so cultivated to be distant from her primal self that when it starts emerging, she's like, whoa, this is an unfamiliar sensation. I don't know what this is. I'm not sure that I want this because it can be a very powerful sensation as well and it can take you over, right? So now that she knows, what's her name? Patricia. Patricia. So now that Patricia knows that, like, this is okay, this is normal, right? Let yourself go. You're in a safe space. Make sure that your partner knows that, you know, you're a bit scared about certain things happening. So, that if it does happen, he or she's aware of it and can hold, hold you or guide you or whatever and encourage you and have a good talk about it afterwards. Her question, though, is how can I be sure that mm. it will be okay? How can I be sure? Well, you can't be sure. I mean, you can never be sure about anything. Trust is about being comfortable with not knowing. Trust is about the uh, understanding that you're going to cross the road mm. and that you're not going to get run over. Yes. If you want certainty, you're, is, on the wrong, you're in the wrong universe. Yeah. There is no certainty in life, well, other than that one day you will die. That is the only certainty. Mm, speak for yourself. Anyway, <laughs> the, the point I'm... The, the point... I'm, the, the point mm. I think that's important here, is that all you can do is create enough of a space in which this doesn't... Yes. It reduces the possibility of bad Mm. things happening. Yeah. And what we're talking about so much in this program is about opening up and pushing your boundaries and expanding your repertoire so that you can have greater and better and more beautiful experiences. And speaking of opening and pushing pushing and (laughs) exploring... Yes. If... We're serious about mm. getting away from the head. Yes. About as far away from the head as you can get mm. when you're exploring the pineal is mm. the base chakra, yes. which is at the base of the spine. Mm. And for those of you who are familiar with human anatomy, mm. near the base of the spine, there are several openings. <laughs> and the closest and, one. And the closest one to yes. the base of the spine is mm. actually the anus. Mm. 
which means that if you're going to go primal, mm. often you might end up at that opening, at that orifice. Mm. Now, the reason that I, we're mentioning the anus at the moment is because, especially for men mm. who might equate primal with aggression mm. and surrender, one of the most surrendering places you can go is through the anus. Indeed. The anus is important because it's the easiest port to get to the prostate. The male prostate. The yes. male prostate, which mm. is in fact an extremely sensitive part of the male anatomy and is often underutilised, especially by a lot of straight men mm. who mm. tend not to go there for whatever reason. Yeah, well, it's a bum, that's what... Yeah, exactly, do. bum, it's... Yeah. it's, it's just stuff. Whatever. I'm a man. I'm whatever. Yes. However... My sphincter's so tight, nothing will get in. As you... <laughs> Who are you channeling there? As usual, Lalo has yes. an answer for for us. Yes. Lalo mm. has a specialist device called the Billy. Mm. It is the world they say it's the world's most satisfying prostate massager. Mm. So in other words, Lalo, through God knows how much research they would have done to get this one, have a specially shaped device that is particularly the right size and shape in order to get mm. statistically the the male, prostate, the male prostate, which is just inside a little and up. Inside a little and up. Mm. So properly used and the prostate massager, which is perfectly hygienic and endlessly cleanable. And beautiful to look at. And beautiful to look as at as well. As per all of Lalo's products. In fact, for those of you, for those of us who might be curious as to how to actually clean what is often the mm. sewer outlet of the body, mm. what's to be done? Some sort of wash, some sort of... Do you do douche or something? But do you well, do you can if you want to, but they don't don't need to. Yeah, I mean, the thing it. is, the poo factor. The poo factor right, is that generally there actually isn't any poo hanging around there, or not very much anyway. You know, it's only when you need to go to the toilet that it actually descends into mm. the rectum there, and that's not a good time to be having anal sex um, or anal play, I should say. Um, but yeah, there can be germs and there can be things there, and there might be little remnants and stuff. So it's a good idea to. You do need to wash things afterwards. So whether you've got some wet wipes. But I'm thinking about the befores as well. Yeah, well, some people will. They'll have an enema or, or whatever, but if that's what you want to do. I mean, some people actually get off on enemas. <laughs> but the point is, is that you don't have to, like, if, that, if you don't want to. It's not a necessary part of it. Nevertheless, for those part. of you who are a bit shy about using fingers, you have the Billy mm. pros- prostate And you don't massager. have to go very far in. Like, mm. you don't actually, it's like the G-spot on a woman. It's not very far in. So you don't have to sort of go delving into the depths if you don't want to. Just pop in a, a you know, just a centimetre or two and have a bit of a wiggle around there and you got it. And the prostate equivalent in the female? Well, women actually do have um, what's now called the female prostate and that's um, this engorging material around the urethra mm-hmm. and it's got these ducts in it that release a prostatic fluid, which is what the female ejaculate is. Mm. If, if women squirt or gush or whatever mm-hmm. they do, then that's where it's coming from. But what's interesting too is that if you, for men in particular, is they actually um, hold a lot of um, repressed emotion and so forth in that part of the body and that by stimulating the, the anus, the opening or just on the inside, like you don't have to be doing full-on anal intercourse or anything like that. Don't think that's what you need to do. It's Often it's just kind of like some stimulation fairly in, in the shallower parts of the, anus, of, the uh, of the rectum there, um, can actually release a lot of stuff for a guy. And he may actually then be able to tap into his true primal because he's released a lot of emotion and a lot of trapped energy and trapped emotion there. Mm. 
So it's actually quite a powerful thing. to. It can be for women as well, but obviously women are more used to having things going inside them because that's what happens when we have... Yeah, vaginal Although they may not necessarily be used to having things going inside that other, the, the, no. the anal no. hole. Yeah. Either way, mm. it's, it's pop. So, again, as we always caution people, go mm. slow, mm. baby steps. Mm, Try a little, little, little at a time to see how it goes, to see mm. how it goes and see, and see mm. whether it works for you. But anyway, the point is that Layla have even thought about this bar and they have the Billy Prostate yes. Massager yes. for that, which I'm assuming can also be used with women. Oh, well. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's lots of good spots on the inside of the anus there, whether you've got a male prostate just there or not. Let's mm. talk then specifically about the pri- primal archetypes, primal energies, primal mm. animals. This is where it might be really useful to be, have an American Indian background because I'm, because Shamanistic, shamanistic stuff, stuff mm. is mm. usually very useful. And, again, we're getting away from the head. We're probably more doing mm. solar plexus chakra, heart chakra here. Mm. We're embodying the spirit of the animal. Mm. So, Well, I do stuff like this at my retreats, particularly with the women, and it's so oh, it's so cathartic for them. Mm-hmm. I get them to make noise and we go outside into the bush and we yell and we scream and, grunt and roar and make all sorts of different noises mm. and at first they're often a bit like whoa this is a bit kind of weird and then they want to do this <laughs> but then it's just like mm. and once they start doing that they're kind of like whoa like, they feel really elated because it just feels really good to make lots of noise you know it's one of the things i love about cheering my kids soccer matches you know you go along you're like come on come on that's that's that, that one that, space in life where we do get to yell is when we're cheering on um, a sporting, at a sporting match. Yes, well, because often also in, uh, you know, again, that's where pornography fails us in that so much pornography is often silent. You have that mm. dinky music in the background, but, it, but they're not actually talking to each other and they're not actually saying anything and they're not making noise, noises. Mm. It's all about the eye and the eye and the eye and the genitals and the same sort of it's images the same over, and, shit over, and over, over again. again. Yeah, anyway, but here we have depth and breadth and diversity and realness and yumminess. And okay, so what, can, <laughs> what are practical exercises that people can do? All right, so here are a few things that you can do. One is, is, is simply to yell. If you can go to a place where or even do it into a pillow or something and yell and, and imagine like different energies and put on different music and move around to it and see if you can actually feel that you're like a lion or a tiger or a snake or what, what sort of sounds do these things make mm. and just play with it. Mm. Like just play with it just however you want to do it. Um, that can be like really quite a wonderful thing to do. If that's not your cup of tea, um, some of these breathing exercises, I think it was in one of our earliest shows actually, we did one where you rock together, remember? And on the, as you, you breathe in as you're rocking back and then you breathe out as you're rocking forward. And on the out breath you make a sound. <sighs> Mm-hmm. And you can play with that as uh, well because the, the partners can, one partner is uh, leaning forward while the other one is leaning backward. And then well, you the, both and come together. I love it when you're both coming together. So you're out. both rocking out and then you come in together and then you're coming back. So it's almost like a seesawing of people just mm. tilting and getting yes. backwards and forwards. Yes, yeah. so you're sitting or kneeling on the ground and rocking in and backwards and forwards. Using so all start, kind of breaths you, and you, Yeah, and you start off with a small <sighs> and then getting to the... <sighs> Oh, yes. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then if you're, if it feels right, you can just kind of go straight into some. You can start yelp or you, you can yelp or whoop. Yeah, 
sound is very important here mm. in connecting. Again, this mm. wordlessness, which mm. will take you out of your head. Yes, yes. And I really encourage people to, you know, go out into the wild somewhere and stay in some wilderness cabin and where no one's going to hear you. Yes, there are plenty of places in America, Canada, New Zealand and Australia Australia, where you can go quite a way and you Mm. know that you probably won't be bothered if you drive for long enough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just just do it. You may not have that much um, space in the UK. But oh, where there places. is a will, there where is a wilderness, there is a way. There's Scotland's got lots of Scotland. Go you can all Scotland, yeah, go, go Scotland, Scotland again. Yeah. You can roar with the best of the lads lassies. <laughs> oh, Scotland, it is. Then we have one minute. <laughs> one minute. Okay, let me do a little promo. One minute to go. I have one space for one couple left on my Bali retreat, my Luscious Lovers Bali retreat. That's on um, in a month's time. Are you going to be explore the primal there? I mean, uh, pri- Bali is pretty primal. Oh yeah, yeah. We're going to we're going to be doing beautiful stuff. Oh, it's going to be fantastic in a beautiful space. So five days in Bali from the twentieth to the twenty fourth of May. One place left for one couple. I'm really excited about this. So, so go onto the JacquelineHellier.com website or the yes. Tantric Lounge, and we'll you, yep. you can find your way there. Yeah, yeah. So very excited about that. I would love. One lucky listener to come and have the experience, or two lucky listeners, I should say, the experience of a lifetime. And next week we are going to... Oh, we're staying with sort of more of the dark side and we're going to be looking at tantric dominance and submission. Mm, a little bit of BDSM. About BDSM and mm. how that can be a beautiful tantric type experience. So this is good groundwork for that. It is indeed. We'll talk to you again next week, viewers. 